the end of the day, it's important to understand that no one, no one can really ban Bitcoin. You can only ban yourself from Bitcoin. It, it's unstop, it's unstoppable. It's like saying we're going to ban the internet. Well, well, good luck. It's you know, and there's this game theory by between countries. If one tries to ban it, then the other one doesn't, and there's going to be great economic return for that country. And the other one say, well, maybe that wasn't a wise decision to do so. So you can't ban it. Um, it's unstoppable. It's decentralized. It runs all around the world, 24/7. There's no single point where say go to the office of Bitcoin and say, "Well, shut it down." You know, it's 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 unstoppable. And um, the countries that realize this, the sooner are the one are going to reap the greatest benefit from it. And the laggers and the one that you know don't want it to be adopted are going to regret the decision down the road. Let's absolutely go. My name is Patrick and welcome to the Bitcoin Pitch Podcast, where I'll chat with anyone in Bitcoin. I don't care if you're a pleb, anon, or OG, you'll be giving us your Bitcoin elevator pitch and answer some quick hitting Bitcoin questions that will be beneficial to newcomers. The goal of the show is to keep it short and sweet for all those people you are trying to orange pill. Today's guest is Jay Bourne BTC. Jay Bourne created the Medium article debunking all the Bitcoin misinformation one by one. This will be one of two episodes going through each piece of FUD laid out in his detailed article. Here's my conversation with Jay Bourne BTC. All right, so thanks so much, uh, Jay Bourne uh, BTC, uh, which is your Twitter account. Um, really appreciate you taking the time to come on today and chat Bitcoin. Um, and I know we're going to talk about some uh, pieces of FUD and the article you created um, on Medium. So again, really appreciate you taking the time coming on today. Yeah. Thanks a lot for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Super happy. It's my, it's my first podcast ever. So thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. All right. So to kind of give a little bit of background about yourself, um, you know, what, what do you do in a daily life? And also, how, how did you get into Bitcoin? What's your story? Yeah, sure. So I'm from Canada, uh, French Canadian. I've always been very, very interested in, in business and, and technology. So I went to university and graduated in a, in a bit of a business school and a university in a business program. Sorry. And um, yeah, and I and then started a, a tech company with uh, with friends of mine. So really into business and technology and it's always been a very, uh, very strong interest of mine. I first discovered Bitcoin in 2016, 2017. And at the time, like a lot of people that first discovered it or heard, hear about it, I thought it was a it was a bubble. It was a hype. It was a fad, uh, whatever you want to call it. But at the same time, I was curious, you know, for the technological uh, aspect of it. And so I said, well, I'll buy a few and just see where where that goes. And like in a matter, in a matter of I don't know, four or five or six months, the price went like four or five full. And I remember December 2017, just looking at the chart and seeing like this parabolic rise and uh, people online were going crazy. And I would say, well, clearly this is a bubble. There's no way this can continue. So I sold it, you know, at the exact top. I mean, it was like a perfect timing. I felt like a genius and uh, <laughs> about, you know, and then I saw the place come back to the, down to earth and I thought that was the end. I was just, you know, happy that I got in the, got out at the right time. But it was just, you know, just a flawed thinking of uh, not really understanding the, the technology at the time. Um, yeah. So I, and then, you know, in a couple uh, years of fall, eight, 2018, 2019, just looking at the price here and there, seeing that it never really recovered what happened in 2017, December, 2017. 
but then you know in march 2020 the whole world changed with uh, with covid and government started printing massive amount of money all around the world and it made me start it made me start asking question like how how can government do that i mean like, surely there must be repercussion if it's and if it's that easy to print money like why do people even pay taxes you know um, and at the same time, Bitcoin starting, started started rallying like in uh, the end of 2020. And I told myself, well, perhaps there's something I'm missing here that I didn't really understand about Bitcoin at the time. And I decided to, you know, have an open mind about it and say, well, let's find out. Let's let's really this time, you know, not just uh, speculate or whatever and have fun like in 2016, 17, but I actually invest the time to really understand what is this thing all about? Why do people think it has so much value? And why are people prepared to pay like 10, 15, $20,000 per coin? Clearly, like people are not stupid. And so I, I, this really was my intro down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. So I bought the book, uh, Bitcoin Standard, the classic. And I also you know, was looking for podcasts and felt, uh, discovered the, the one that I, that I learned a lot from is, was, was Preston Pish. And, you know, I was listening to Preston and this guy comes from a very, very um, like solid background engineer, like value investor, reads Buffett, reads Dalio. He talks about Bitcoin. It makes so much sense. And it's not about like speculation. It's just about the fundamentals of it. That really, really opened my mind to, okay, wow, there's a like, really knowledgeable person. And then you got those like uh, Paul Peter Jones and uh, Drunken Miller and all very sophisticated investors that also... Uh, I got open minded and asked initiated position. I told myself, well, clearly there's really intelligent people and they, they see a lot of value in the Michael Saylor, et cetera. So that was the intro. And from that point on, I spent like a thousand hours, <laughs> like evenings and weekends and just consume all my spare time, just taking walks. Oh, I'm going to listen to a podcast or going to work. Oh, I'm going to listen to another podcast and reading whatever I could find and talking to people, et cetera. So, and yes, and it completely changed. Um, changed me, changed my view of the world, how money works and the, the importance of money in societies. And yeah, so that's how I discovered Bitcoin and, and started learning a lot about it. Yeah, it's super interesting. And um, it, it's funny that you mentioned that you sold the top in 2017. And it's almost like exactly like what uh, Preston Pish did. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, he's more probably privy to like trading, maybe not trading, but kind of understanding, like you said, the fundamentals at the time, he knew it yeah. probably was going to end at some point. Um, that's just, that's a funny story. And then um, at the same time, like you, when kind of COVID came around, um, I think that opened a lot of people's eyes. I know for sure mine, um, and I know I've mentioned it on previous shows, but you know, that's kind of where I got interested in it. Um, you know, I, I got furloughed from my job and I was essentially had more money and was getting more money weekly when I wasn't working compared to when I was mm -hmm. working. And I was yeah. like, all right, none of this makes any sense to me. Like exactly. I should, I should be struggling right now. There's no reason why I should, you know, I, I, I joked on one episode that I was able to remodel a piece of my house <laughs> at the time I was uh, furloughed, which again, I, I should have been struggling at the time. There's, there's, that didn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I appreciate the back backstory there. So a, a question that I like to ask all my guests is obviously most of the time it takes a few touches before you really get involved. Um, I guess if you could go back in time, convince yourself about Bitcoin the first time you heard about it, uh, knowing what you know now, what would you say to yourself then and why? Um, however, you can't mention the price is just going to go <laughs> crazy. Yeah, yeah, sure. 
That's a good question. Um, I think, well, one important thing that I would tell myself going back in time was to have the open mind and, you know, to, and the humility to at least investigate and make up my own mind, my own decision and my own understanding of what is, what, what Bitcoin is rather than, you know, there's so much misinformation out there, the mainstream media, just they, that they don't really explain what Bitcoin is all about. And a lot of people, they just, um, you know, dismiss it right away because it goes against a lot of the things that they've been told, that they've been taught, their own experience, their own work. And they just don't have the, the, the mind opened enough to just at least say, well, okay. And not only the mind open mind, but like the humility to, to question, well, is everything I've been told all my life, is that the best way for the world to function? And they don't even want to go there. Perhaps they're scared of what they're going to find. Um, so just having the humility and the open-mindedness to, to investigate what would be the first thing. And the other thing I would tell myself, you know, that's exactly how technology, new technologies are, are, again, are adopted. It starts very small, but then they grow in an exponential way following an S-curve. So it's normal in the beginning to be really small, really small use cases or difficult to use or limited use cases, et cetera. But with time and as technology gets more and more adopted, it becomes like unstoppable. And so Bitcoin is really, it's still really, really nascent. It's really young, but it's following the exact same path as like the inter internet adoption curve or any other technology adoption curve. Um, so people that dismiss it because it's uh, used by a lot, too few little people or it's, it's a, uh, you know, it can be sometimes scary just managing your own keys, that kind of stuff. All this will be resolved in time and it's going to get adopted more and more. It's just an unstoppable force. Yeah. And, um, and I know you're kind of touching upon it uh, when you're saying it there, like people don't, maybe they don't want to like go look to find the truth and, mm -hmm. and people who are maybe a little bit older. Um, I know I'm, I'm 30. So maybe people, maybe like my parents or around that age, like to kind of almost tell them that like everything that you've been brought up in is almost a lie to some point. Yeah. That's really, yeah. I could see how that's really hard to kind of say like, no, like, and <laughs> it's definitely yeah. challenging, but like you said, you got to have an open mind. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's some adults that I spoke to about it and they, you know, I tell them, they benefited a lot from, you know, the past 50 years, uh, the monetary expansion, the inflation. Some of them were like, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, it's crazy how much we benefited from it. And the others are, well, that's not how the world works. You know, so they're really like shut the door right away that it's, you know, there's no other way the world can work because it's, it's been always working like that. And I heard a great analogy. I forgot who said it on the podcast. The person said, it's like when they, when they abolish the slaves, you know, it's not because it's never been done that it's not, you know, the, the new world is, uh, can't work actually better without it. And it's like, people had to say, well, you know, we have to stop using slaves. It doesn't make any sense. And people will say, well, it's never been done. Yeah, but it's not because it's never been done. It's not the right way. So I thought that was really powerful. It's not because having a decentralized money that is not governed by any government, it's not, it can't be manipulated, inflated. It's not because it's never been done. That's not the right way forward. Yeah, definitely. That's a good point. Um, yeah, because looking back on it now, you know, like I, I, I was actually having this conversation with my uh, wife uh, a couple nights ago because we were watching uh, the movie The Greatest Showman with like Hugh Jackman. And mm -hmm. that's, that just talks about like kind of race uh, back in like the 1800s. And we were just talking like, you know, 
I like, I would like to think, you know, back in the day, you know, I wouldn't have thought that way, but obviously you don't, you, mm-hmm. there's no way to know that. So yeah. it's going to, it's going to be funny. Like whether it's 50 or hundred years from now, people look back in history and they're going to be like, how did they have a monetary system like they do right now? You know, exactly. exactly. Um, they're pr- probably going to be looked back as like crazy. Mm. <clears throat> All right. So to um, kind of dive into the, the meat of this show that I'm excited to get into. So you create an article on medium uh, basically dispelling uh, 21 different pieces of FUD from the article. Um, so if you don't mind, if you could kind of dive right into them um, and then also I- explain what FUD is for people who don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, sure. So FUD is the, the, the abbreviation for fear, uncertainty, and doubts. Um, I learned this abbreviation while studying and going down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. So it's basically just a name in the industry to characterize all the misinformation out there or the fears that people have and the misconceptions that they have and that they keep spreading. And, you know, going through, going down the Bitcoin habit role, I, I discovered like a lot of, a lot of FUD. It's actually pure, pure nonsense. It's just sort of people either haven't spent the time understanding what like Bitcoin is all about and the, their fears or the issues they have with it have all been like proven wrong. And, and they, so on one point and the other point is sometimes people would also keep saying the same thing because it's in their industry, in, the, in their interest, interest, sorry, that Bitcoin doesn't succeed. You know, when you hear like uh, CEOs of banks saying Bitcoin is a fraud, well, of course, they're going to say they're, they're, they're afraid of Bitcoin. It's like it's like Blockbuster saying, uh, you know, talking about Netflix in the past and saying, well, people want to come to the store to choose their film and we're going to bring candy stores, candy in the in the stores. and. You know, it's people are, and there was also this, uh, I forgot, I was a CEO of a toy company like uh, many years ago that said video games are just a fad. Of course, he's going to say that. He's, it's going to change his entire business. So, um, so yeah, FUD is, is all the misinformation out there. And by going and talking about Bitcoin with friends, family, like many of the same things kept coming over and over. And also seeing all those articles online by means, mainstream media. Like always repeating the same thing, all the same, all the same misinformation. I said to myself, "Well, I'm gonna just break them all, bring them, build a complete list of all the fight I've encountered, and just break it down and debunk them one by one." Yeah. So let's dive right into uh, the first one here. So Bitcoin is too volatile. Yeah, that's the one I think that that comes like the most most often is people say, "Well, Bitcoin is is too volatile." Well, what they forget to 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 mention or to recognize at least about Bitcoin is that it's grown from zero to more than a trillion dollars in 12 years, and no other asset or company has ever done so, like in the history of the world. So, of course, you can't get that much growth in a completely linear way without any volatility. And you know, the, the second thing about that is that it's. Um, its volatility right now is because humans are all, are still in the price discovery of Bitcoin, and you know, uh, there's there are millions of people who use it, but it's still a small percentage of the world. So people in the world is coming to, to term to understand what Bitcoin is, and uh, it creates volatility in the price. But the volatility today is lower than it was in the past when the asset was a lot smaller, and the volatility will decrease as the asset matures. Today's a trillion dollar, but a couple of years will be five trillion, then ten trillion, and then one day perhaps a hundred or two hundred, who knows, trillion dollars, and you won't be seeing those 30, 40, 50 percent drawdowns. And uh, so the volatility will decrease as the asset mature. And also, what is important to understand about Bitcoin volatility is that you know 
if you're scared of volatility, just just adjust your portfolio sizing. Nobody says you need to put 50% or 80% or 20%. If you're, if volatility is, is something that stresses you out, put 1%, put half a percent, 2%, whatever it is for you that, that fits your most. But you'll see it, it, it can increase dramatically your performance of your portfolio without impacting its overall volatility. So it's just a question of portfolio sizing. And anyone can also manage well volatility by simply establishing a a DCA like dollar cost averaging by buying in set installments like weekly or daily or monthly. And, you know, some people always want to feel like they bought at the exact right time, but you know, with Bitcoin and with the volatility, you can wait for it to, to hit your price, but then the, it will be too full by the time uh, you actually buy it. So just buying like small installments, start small, build gradually and steadily. It's then it, it, volatility won't, uh, won't stress you. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> like you said, it, it's been like 12 years since it's, it's grown so much. Um, I guess something that I would say to someone who says it's too volatile is, yeah, that might be true. And I actually saw a good photo on Twitter where it shows like a daily chart where it's going up and down. You yeah, yeah, see all good. the thing. And then yeah, yeah. it's like yearly um, and you see it like going up and then you see decade and it's like all you see is straight up. Exactly. Like, exactly. So yeah. that if you, even if you look at it right now in a long-term chart uh, on log, log scale, like it's just going up and to the right. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you have that long-term thinking and mentality, and like you said, DCAing, um, I think that's the best approach and think of it yeah. as like a 401k. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So number two, we have Bitcoin consumes too much energy and Bitcoin is bad for the environment. <laughs> yeah, that's another one that comes comes a lot. Well, first of all, it's important to understand that uh, humans, we consume energy, anything we do. Like we, we invented cars to replace horses. Cars consume energy. Should we go back to using horses? And it's it's the same thing in, in all the industry and facets of our lives. It's normal to, to consume energy. Um, and Bitcoin's consumption of energy comes from the proof of work algorithm that secures uh, the entire the, the entire network without any single authority and point of failure. So, and the benefits from that are huge. And that's the important thing is that people that, that question or, or highlight Bitcoin's in intensive energy usage, they forget to compare it against the benefit that it brings to the world. And the benefits of Bitcoin are tremendous. It's it's. It, it's like, think about all the, the energy that's used by the current fiat system, like all the people, the armies, like the, the, the gas, petroleum, the investment, the buildings, etc. just to secure a country's money. It's, it's huge. It's huge. But then you got computers that are running 24-7 all around the world, decentralized, that make the best form of money that ever existed. That's, that's open nonstop. That doesn't censor. It doesn't, you can be seized. It can be transported anywhere. Those, those benefits for humankind are, are enormous, enormous. And Bitcoin also, by doing that in a decentralized way, it frees people time and energy that can be reallocated into much more productive facts for societies and, and humanity. So the benefits clearly outweigh the, the energy consumption. And even the energy consumption, people say it's more in that country, it's more in that country. You know, I forgot who it posted online. It said, well, Christmas lights... Uh, in the USA consume more energy than a, than a country during that month, you know? So, I mean, it, it's nonsense. It, it's pure nonsense just to look at the energy consumption when 
especially it's, it's still very small compared to the world's total usage of energy and also compared to how much uh, benefits it brings to the, to the world. And, yeah. So, oh, sorry. sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, um, and like you said, for what it solves for, it's worth it for money that no one can manipulate and people can have trust in. Uh, exactly. Knowing something that's not going to change, it's, it's worth much more energy expenditure than it is exactly. right now. So it's only going to keep growing. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and like you said, um, the energy usage of Bitcoin, if you're going to compare it to something, you should be comparing it to something that's apples to apples, like the banking sector of all the yeah. banks in the entire world, all their buildings, the heating, the cooling, you know, all that um, energy that it takes, the, the people who drive to work and use gas, like all these little things, like the exactly. amount of energy that takes compared to what Bitcoin is doing, like it's much higher. So exactly. <clears throat> yeah, totally right. That's exactly it. the point I'm trying to convey. Exactly. And then, you know, people say, well, it's still bad for the environment because it consumes like power and this power could be like, used elsewhere. Well, Bitcoin, the electricity is like, one of the most, if not the most um, significant costs in Bitcoin mining. So miners have a very big incentive to see the cheapest cost of energy. And those are renewable. So it's, it's hydro, it's solar, it's wind, it's geothermal, like Venezuela, sorry, El Salvador is going to be using like volcano energy. So they're going to be like, um, seeking the cheapest source of energy. And also Bitcoin, what is amazing is it allows stranded sources of energy to be used for the first time. You know, Alex Latchstein wrote about that. And also like in Stone Ridge there in their share letter, they, they showed the example that Bitcoin can mining can now be done in very remote location where it was not economically feasible to do so in the past to leverage that source of energy. So it's just going to bring tremendous innovation and uh, economic fallouts for, 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 for region that uh, it just wasn't possible in a way before Bitcoin. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. And it's super interesting to think about. Um, I, I remember last year, I think when Ross Stevens was having this conversation with uh, Michael Saylor, he was talking about that and yeah. it kind of blew my mind really. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I send it to people. I'm like, you got to listen to this. This is crazy. And obviously if they're not in Bitcoin. They're not going to care as much, but <laughs> I remember getting really excited about it. Yeah, yeah, it was a great, great interview between the two of them. All right, so we'll go, we'll jump to number three, which is Bitcoin is not scalable. Yeah, so you know, Bitcoin the the base layer settles around ten minutes, a new block is is uh, added to the blockchain every ten minutes. Um, so it can accommodate in a, a very high number of transactions, but it it doesn't like settle you know, instantly uh, when used as a medium of exchange, like in, a, in, a, in the second, people critique that. So, well, it can't be used in medium of exchange, like merchant won't want to wait uh, for the transaction to clear, that kind of stuff. But uh, that's totally normal. Bitcoin, the base layer can accommodate a very high number, a very large number of transactions, but it, it is not meant to be used, you know, on a incredibly, incredibly high number of transactions with instant settlement. That Those the scaling is happening on the additional layers that are built on top of the base layer. You know, the Lightning Network is a, is a second layer protocol, sorry, a network that, that uses the, the base layer of Bitcoin and it leverages the technology, the security of the network. And then the, the, the transactions settle almost in, immediately and at almost zero fees. And the, the, the network is scaling and it is growing exponentially in terms of nodes and capacity of the network. It's, it's mind-blowing to, to see. And you, know, you already have like Starbucks and McDonald's and El Salvador are using it. 
And it, 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 it's incredible. They, they, they receive the funds immediately. They don't have to wait 60, 90 days to receive the funds from Visa or MasterCard. And they save the three, two, three, four, five percent fees. It's, it's, it's mind blowing. So, and the Lightning Network is extremely scalable, as is shown by the number of nodes and the number of, uh, of Bitcoin in the protocol. That is, it just keeps on, keeps on growing. And then you have other layers, such as LN Strike and other applications that are in turn leveraging the Lightning Network to also bring great uh, services and applications. So Bitcoin, the base layer, and with the additional layers built on top of it, actually form the, the most scalable money network the world has ever seen. Yeah, and it's um, super interesting to think about. Um, you know, I, I feel like most people don't think what it takes to, if you were going to go to a bank today and you wanted to send money to like, I'm just, for out China. One, they, they might not even allow you to send it there. It might be on some list or something, depending on the country. Yeah. And two, if you do send it, the fees are crazy and you, they might not get it for so many days. Um, you yeah. know, you see, mo- see so many posts of people who are on Bitcoin who had to make a wire transfer and they're like, I can't believe I still have to do this. And mm-hmm. um, sometimes like they lose the money. They don't know where it went, which to me, that sounds crazy. Um, so like the difference there is like, uh, see posts online of a uh, Bitcoin transaction. Cause you can see everything on chain and someone sent like a billion dollars for like a dollar yeah. and they got yeah. it. They got it in like 10 minutes, maybe 30 yeah. minutes, 30 minutes, but you know, it's going to instantly like settle for the most part, a lot quicker than the older system. So. Um, Absolutely. And uh, all right. So we'll jump to number four, which is Bitcoin is too complex for people to understand and use. Yeah, uh, that's also a thing I, I heard a lot, and you know, I think it's um, maybe rightfully so. In certain way, it's still like some people find it a bit stressful, like to manage their own keys and etc. And people say, well, they don't they don't understand it. It's complicated. You, well, you have miners, you have nodes, etc. But at the end of the day, people people don't need to understand exactly how things work for them to use it. Like who who really understands? how their Wi-Fi works or how their television, the computer, iPhone, or, or any technology that they use. You know, they people don't know that what happens in the background when they take a photo, it becomes digital and they can send it across the world instantly. But they only need to see the value it brings them and that it's easy to use and it brings them big, tremendous value and they start adopting it. It's not more complicated than that. And, you know, the analogy is the same. You know, people in 1996 and the 90s using the internet, you know, you had to connect with a 56K modem. It was slow. It was clunky. It made noise when you connected to the internet. And its use cases were like emails. And, you know, and people laughed at it saying, well, it's, it's you know, Paul Grumman said, um, won't be more useful than the facts by 2005 or so. And, you know, it, 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 it's, it's laughable today. But, I mean, so... That's how new technology work, and they, they they get better over time as more and more people adopt it. And we're seeing it already. It's it's a lot more easy. Sorry, it's a lot easier to to use and store Bitcoin today with with wallets, and uh, you know Square is integrating it in its Cash App, and Nidig is offering it into like native banking services. So it will be very easy in the future, in the near future, not in ten years, like just in a couple of years, it will have it will be. Like people have their checking account, their saving account, and their Bitcoin account, and it will be it will be like so easy to go between one another. And as more and more people join and the, other, the network grows, it will become more and more easy to to use all the applications, and the user experience will just keeps on getting better. But it, it won't happen overnight for sure. But we will get there. It's just a normal process of, of any new technology, 
and getting more adopted uh, worldwide. Yeah, and um, and I feel like it's something that, that almost everyone uses Twitter right now. And when the they partnered with Strike and allowed for the tipping function, yeah, I I thought that was uh, like it kind of blew my mind. And then I mentioned it to friends and they were like, well, I have Venmo and I'm like, okay, try using Venmo to send money to someone else in another country. Like it's not going to happen. Yeah, um, exactly. Or someone who doesn't have Venmo, maybe they use cash app or something. Um, so when that, like, that's already a piece right there where it's, it's, um, it's making it much easier to use for everyday people. Um, and I would say too, on top of that, it's, it's going to happen gradually and then suddenly it's it, yeah. bitcoin's yeah. Uh, uh an exponential technology which is money everyone uses money all the time built on top of the internet which is another exponential technology so absolutely i don't know what do you think is going to happen in the future you think it's just going to go away i don't i don't know it hasn't <laughs> yet you know yeah exactly like 100 percent um all right so let's jump to number five uh few people use bitcoin and it's uh pure speculation yeah, I think it's a, just a follow-up of exactly what you just mentioned. And uh, it's an exp- it follows the uh, exponential curve of any new technology. It starts small, but then you get to an inflection point where it grows very rapidly. And we, we're about to hit that, depending on the various sources that you look at, but we're still very early. But it's, it clearly is following the same path of, like, for example, the adoption of the internet. But the internet is already here, so the adoption can, could even happen a lot faster since people already have access to the internet. The, the infrastructure is already there. So we could see the adoption of Bitcoin going even faster than, than the internet. And uh, so it's just a normal way of any technology. Of course, no technology can be adopted overnight. It takes time. But in a digital age, everything happens a lot faster than before. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, all right, so let's jump to... Um... Let's see here. Number six. I'm just scrolling through the article at the same time. Sure. Um, Bitcoin will be banned by governments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boy, have I heard that one a lot. <laughs> oh, the governments won't allow it. Or, oh, for sure, governments are going to ban it. And well, what's funny is we're actually seeing the opposite in, in most of the countries of the world. Of course, you have those the China bans it. And we'll get back to that later. But, you know, in the United States, there's already states like Wyoming and Texas, Florida, to name a few that are that are adopting pro pro Bitcoin uh, rules and regulation and, you know, Powell and the SEC Gary Gensler recently said they have no intention to buy Bitcoin. And even Cynthia Loomis from Wyoming said, thank God for Bitcoin during a speech in the Senate. And so really it's changing. Politicians are coming to the realization that Bitcoin is, uh, you know, the the population want it and uh, they're going to, they have to be on the side of, of that change. You know, and the same thing is happening in Canada. You have like Bitcoin ETFs and you have countries in places like of the world, like El Salvador, that it's not legal tender. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's important to understand that no one, no one can really ban Bitcoin. You can only ban yourself from Bitcoin. It, it's, unso- it's unstoppable. It's like saying we're going to ban the internet. Well, well, good luck. It's, you know, and there's this game theory by, be, between countries that one tries to ban it, then the other one doesn't. And there's going to be great economic uh, return for that country. And the other ones say, well, maybe that wasn't a wise decision to do so. So you can't ban it. Um, it's unstoppable. It's decentralized. It runs all around the world 24-7. There's no single point where say, go to the office of Bitcoin and say, well, shut it down. You know, it's, it's, it's unstoppable. And um, the countries that realize this, the sooner the one are going to reap the greatest benefit from it. And the laggers and the one that 
you know, don't want it to be adopted are going to regret their decision down the road. Yeah. And um, yeah, like you talked about, like, it seems like for the most part, you know, government, you know, in the U S Canada are already kind of very accepting of it. And, you know, these large corporations um, are already starting to hold it and people who are in office are holding it. So it's like, yeah, you know, for the most part, I would say like large corporations kind of run what runs what happens in government anyway. So why are you going to go against you're probably not going to go against that. And also, mm-hmm. like you said, the uh, ETF, um, even though it's just a futures ETF in the US, like yeah. that's been approved. So it's just yeah. another step forward that, you know, I don't see it stopping. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. So we'll jump to number seven where Bitcoin is used by criminals. <laughs> yeah. One thing, one thing I put in the article that I thought was really interesting was uh, Mark Yusko from Morgan Creek. He said that when you think about new technologies, the first users are often the bad guys. For example, the pager was first used by drug dealers, same thing for cell phones, and the internet was first used by porn industry. So it's always, it's funny, it always starts with the shady and weird illicit activities, but that's just how new technologies are often initiated. And Bitcoin, one of the first use cases was Silk Road, which was an illegal website for mainly for, for drugs. Uh, but today, I mean, the, the large, large, large majority of users don't use Bitcoin for illegal activities, just like the internet. Of course, there's still illicit activities happening on the internet. There's the dark web and many other different things uh, that happen on the internet that, is, that are illegal. But the vast of the majority of people use the internet for, for, and benefit tremendously and have great, great value from, from the internet. So no one would dream of going back to the world. Uh, where there wasn't any internet just because not even you know half a percent or whatever the percentage is really small of people use it for illegal activity well the same thing is true for bitcoin i mean yeah maybe people will use it for to transfer uh, uh, illegal funds or whatever but it will be, remain such a small 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 percentage compared to the, the tremendous value that it brings to the six seven billion people on earth so it's it's um to me it's a, it's a non-issue it's just, uh, and you know, there was a podcast also I listened to. The guy said, it's just a funny example. He said, well, um, a chef's knife, you know, you can kill someone with a chef's knife, but they use it every day to cook food. And I mean, it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's a weapon, but I mean, at the same time, it's, it's used to, to cook food. So why should we ban chef's knives? So, I mean, I thought it was a funny, funny example, but it's, it's just nonsense to think that Bitcoin is used by criminal. And just because of that, it should be stopped. I mean, it's it's to the contrary, and we'll get that perhaps back to that later. But Bitcoin empowers the individual and brings so much, so much to so many people around the world that it, it's uh, again the benefits are clearly outweighs the the, the 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 negatives. Yeah, and that's that's what I wrote down too to to touch on. Um, and uh, it's funny that you're talking about that because. Um, I think it was a podcast. It was a recent one. I think it was on Preston Pish's podcast with CJ Wilson and Jimmy Song. And they were talking about how they were, you know, were going to DC and, and meeting with uh, staffers there and everything just to promote Bitcoin. And yeah. one of the questions that they got was, you know, it's, it's but used by bad actors. And they were like, no, go to, um, I'm forgetting the name of the, the website. It was a block, block something.com, uh, tradeblock.com or something like that where um, you can just see the whole blockchain in action. action. You can see all the transactions that happen. So, you know, bad actors aren't going to want to use that 
because you know they, there's some piece of traceability back to them you can see yeah, everything sure. they're yeah, going to want to sure. use cash and set instead so yeah cash is still the largely preferred medium of exchange for illegal transaction why because it's totally untraceable and the opposite of that you have bitcoin the, the, the ledger the blockchain ledger is completely open and publicly accessible so it's a lot easier to trace where the coins go and follow them and there's also company that are getting specialized on that like chain analysis so yeah bitcoin is is not a good choice of medium to conduct illicit activities for sure yeah um all right so let's move to eight which is bitcoin only advantages the rich <laughs> <laughs> yeah well to me is when a person says that it's clear they, they really don't understand bitcoin and haven't done any research on it because bitcoin is like for the first time in history the, the, the rules are the same for anyone. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It's a million, it's 10 bucks, whatever the amount, the rules are the exact same for anyone. And a Bitcoin network does not discriminate. It doesn't censor. It doesn't block anyone that wishes to participate. You're free to participate or not. But when you do the rules, like they haven't changed, they won't change. The protocol is open to anyone. And no matter how many connected or rich people try to bend the rules or change it, it just won't happen. So Bitcoin is actually the fairest, in the, the, the most fair network and the most fair money network the world has ever seen. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. Honestly, it's beautiful to see, um, to see this technology and how it can be fair to anyone, to anyone around the world. And also, Alex Lachstein of the Human Rights Foundation has written some very, very powerful articles showing how Bitcoin is being adopted in various parts of the world in developed countries. Uh, like in Sudan and other African countries. And you read about that. And for, for those people, Bitcoin is the difference between life and death and are like fleeing their country. They have to leave all their savings behind. They have to leave their house and they, they start with nothing at the end. Well, Bitcoin, you, you remember your 12 words or your 24 words and you can cross any, any, any um, go to any other country and you still have your wealth with you. It's amazing. It's amazing. So Bitcoin does not advantage only the rich. It advantages and benefits anyone that wishes to participate in the network. Yeah. And, and also like all you need is an internet connection and, yeah. and you can buy. It's not like a bank has to be set up somewhere, you know, like like we're probably privileged Absolutely. to in Canada and like the US. But yeah, um, and that's something that's really interesting because, uh, you know, there's companies like Starlink and I think another one is ASTS, which is trying to make, basically make internet available everywhere in the world through satellite. And like, I feel like once that happens, it's basically like, <laughs> it's, it's giving people a sound money Absolutely. that they've never had access to before. Um, yeah. And then um, at the same point, uh, we were talking about how it only helps the rich. Yeah, the rich can maybe only buy like one Bitcoin now and the average person can't buy one because it's expensive. But you don't mm -hmm. have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You exactly. You can buy any amount, whether it's a dollar all the way up to $100, $1,000, whatever. And you're going to get yeah. the same percentage gains back um, that you would get, you know, whoever yeah. has more. So, yeah, exactly. And also, you know, Bitcoin can stay the exact same price. It won't because it will keep going up with time, but it could stay the exact same price. And for a lot of people, it's a huge difference because they're going through 20, 30, 40, 50%, 100% inflation. So for them, just having a money that doesn't lose its power, its purchasing power, and it, it isn't debased, that's huge. It's huge. So, and on the plus side, they get the price as appreciation over time. But just having a money that can be debased is, it's incredible. It, it changes complete, 
completely uh, how they can interact and, and transact. And uh, so it's, it's incredible. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, all right. So let's move on to number nine, which is Bitcoin is centralized because some people hold large amounts of it. <laughs> yeah, like I mentioned earlier, the it doesn't matter if you have one Bitcoin, 0.1 Bitcoin or a thousand Bitcoin. The, the protocol code is, is open source. It's the same for anyone and no one can change the rule, no matter the amount of Bitcoins, Bitcoin they have. And what's also interesting is uh, Willy Woo showed that uh, the ownership is getting more and more distributed around the world. It's less and less concentrated in the people that had large amounts uh, since it's when it started. And so also mining is getting more and more decentralized. So the people that hold, hold a lot of Bitcoin don't have more power over the other ones because the rules are the same and the Bitcoin is governed by rules, but not by rulers. Yeah. And I, I love that point. I love saying that it's, it's a system of rules, no rulers. Um, and then also something to point out is uh, like Willie Wu in, in the chart um, on the medium chart, uh, medium article that you put together that, that chart in there. It's always, I think he actually puts other charts out as well, where it shows like the little fish that are just constantly eating at the supply, which is those DCAers. Yeah. And that right there, that's distributing the coins out um every time someone buys and a little bit each time so exactly exactly thanks so much jay born for coming on the show part two will be released next week covering the remaining pieces of fud as well as his bitcoin pitch you will find in the show notes links to all that was mentioned including where you can find and follow jay born btc shout out to last call monday for the intro and exit music and drawn to heel for the show's artwork you can check both of them out from the links in the show notes. If you got this far, thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And if you feel you have a Bitcoin pitch to tell, I want you on the show. Feel free to reach out to me via Twitter at baby underscore Pat with two Y's and two T's or email me at bitcoinpitchpodcast at gmail.com. See you next time.